Hey, my name's Hayden Carroll. Welcome to the Faithful Perspective Podcast, a series where we discuss together those key gospel principles that lead to a successful, joyful, and productive life for Latter-day Saints and friends. Before we jump into anything, I want to give you an invitation. Do you know a Latter-day Saint who is passionate about something gospel-related? Do you know somebody who others could benefit from getting inside their head? If you know somebody that I might be able to interview on our Faithful Perspective podcast, please email me their information at faithfulperspectivepodcast at gmail.com. That's faithfulperspectivepodcast at gmail.com. For the sake of uh, our listeners, I just want to give a brief introduction to Kendall, or, or rather, how I know Kendall. Uh, in 2015, uh, the same year that I returned home from serving a full-time mission, I attended a university in southern Utah, Southern Utah University, and my first semester there was fall of 2015. Uh, this was not my plan, to be completely honest, but I ended up joining a fraternity on SUU's campus. Uh, funny enough, it's actually the same fraternity that both President uh, Nelson and President Ballard were a part of. When they were at university, at the University of Utah, anyway, that that, that uh, fraternity is called Sigma Chi, and Kendall and I were connected through uh, Sigma Chi. Kendall was one of the founding members of the chapter uh, at SUU, and that's kind of how we have been connected. So Kendall and I, you've known e- we've known each other for, what, about five years now? Um, yeah. So with that brief introduction, and actually before we dive into the topic, Kendall, can I just ask you, would you just give a brief introduction to who you are, maybe a little bit about where you come from, maybe, you know, just anything about your life, just as an introduction for yourself, a little bio, if you will, anything that you feel would be relevant to uh, the, the conversation today or for the listeners to know about you, and then we'll jump into the topic. How does that sound? Sounds good. Um like Hayden said, uh, my name is Kendall Anderson. I grew up in a small town called Mesquite, Nevada, and uh, and uh, a town at the time that was mostly uh, members of the church. And uh, uh, enjoyed my time here. It was for the most part a good experience and a good influence for me. Ended up going on a mission. Um, when I turned nineteen, came home off my mission, worked for a little while decided that I needed to go back to school, and so I ended up going to college, and uh, went to college until 93, when I married my wife, and uh, and moved back to Mesquite, and eventually had a couple of kids, started a business, um, and he mentioned that uh, I was involved with the fraternity, a fraternity, a relatively positive experience for me, and maybe we'll it might come up in a story or two during during the our little uh, podcast here, but um, I now have a son that's actually coming home off a mission tomorrow morning, so I get to go drive to the airport and pick him up. I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, that's tomorrow morning! I forgot. That's awesome. Yeah. So actually, yeah, I think he flies in at about three o'clock. So right. we're looking forward to that. And tell us and, where where is he serving at right now? So he started out his mission in Peru. And because of the COVID concerns, uh, Peru, I don't know if you've been following statistics, is the most deadly country with COVID. Oh, wow. Uh, he was out in the country. Uh, he was in the, what's kind of known as a German settlement um, that was wouldn't be traditional 
uh, Peruvian community, <clears throat> little to no chance of getting COVID, and probably one of the safer places in the country at the time. Mm. But just mere the fact that Peru no didn't even have the infrastructure or the ability to take care of anybody. They, the church decided to get pretty much everybody out of South America. Oh wow! And I and I think that was a wise choice. And so uh, he was home for three weeks, and they got relocated um, to Washington, and uh, he's been there since April. And uh, it's been a good experience. Uh, he's been pretty much just sitting around and making uh, Facebook videos. And uh, mm-hmm. the one nice thing about it is he speaks Spanish. And so he's actually able to teach pretty much anywhere right. that he can contact anybody through Facebook. So here's a kid that didn't have a Facebook account until April of this year. But uh, now <laughs> right. he had a couple of, he's got a couple of viral vid- videos that, and we're pretty pretty excited for the experience he's had there but you know he's definitely not the typical missionary so well that's exciting that you get to see him tomorrow what a special day thank you for taking time out of your night the the night before that that you're uh willing to talk with us not a problem keep my mind off of it right you're right well with that brief introduction thank you very much uh just for the sake of our viewers and understanding of our listeners here uh, when I contact any individual for the Faithful Perspective podcast, generally how it goes is I usually reach out to them and let them know that I think that they probably have something important about the gospel of Jesus Christ to say, and I want to give them a platform to kind of get whatever message that is out to uh, a, a, a Latter-day Saint audience. And so I did that with Kendall, and I just reached out and said, hey, I, I think that there is a, I didn't know what the topic was going to be. But I said, uh, you know, I think there's something that you might be able to say in such a, a way that might be helpful to uh, other Latter-day Saints. And so I said, you know, could you think about a topic over the next couple of days and let's prep if you would. And he agreed to uh, have a conversation with me. Uh, and I asked you if there's any topic off the top of your head that you were already thinking about. And within uh, you didn't actually miss a beat within three seconds. Uh, you told me what topic that you would like to talk about. And so instead of me introducing that topic, uh, I want to allow you, Kendall, and kind of give you the floor to introduce the topic. Tell us why that was the first topic that came to mind. And then just give us a little brief introduction of, of why that's why it's important to you and why you feel it's, it's a an appropriate message to share with Latter-day Saints. And then we'll just have a conversation from there. Okay, well, the topic I'd like to talk about comes from... Uh a 2015 talk by uh, Elder Ufdorf, um, which is, it was, I think, April, Saturday, April conference, and it is entitled The Gift of Grace, and uh, it's kind of an interesting topic because, um, you know, rarely, um, I was actually, I remember when I heard this talk, I was actually in a truck driving back from northern Nevada, and uh and I had it on satellite radio, and I was just listening to it, and and I can remember just thinking, man, this this answers a lot of questions that I've always had about what is grace, and then kind of along with that is is is, is you know we have all these concepts that are associated with it that um, that other religions um, touch on, or that are central to other religions that we seem to touch on, but but um, don't really give massive guidance on it. Like, you know, what, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to have the grace of God? Um, are we saved by grace alone? And, and what does that mean? 
or are we uh, are we um, are you know as as it says in I think it's what was it in uh, in the Book of Mormon? I'm trying to think. What, is it um, after all we can do the the yes. second Nephi? What is that? Something twenty three. Can't remember the chapter. Chapter uh, third Nephi twenty five twenty three and twenty four. Right. And and what does it mean? And and that was a scripture I was really familiar with. And and but it never really made sense until Ostorf explained what his uh, what it meant to him and why it is such an important scripture and why we sh- the way we should uh, what what we should be aware of it, that it means. So, so, so can um, can we start? Can I, can I, can I, uh, let, can we go back? You, you, uh, you come from, uh, not to age you, but you come from a different generation than I do. And so my first question for you is, can you give us a, a basic understanding of how, at least from your perspective, how you feel grace was taught in the early church? When I say the early church, I mean, you know, when you were young, <laughs> I guess you weren't in the early church, but uh, when you were growing up, what was the teaching of grace like in the church? And what has been your experience in maybe, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but like an evolving understanding of grace. And then maybe we can jump into President Uchtdorf and kind of what you learned specifically from. So can we start there? What 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 was grace to you growing up and what, what has it started to evolve into? And that's a lot of the confusions associated with it because, you know, every seminary teacher, every Sunday school teacher, um, you know, every uh, speaker of the pulpit had a different spin on it. And right. it always kind of had that same thing. But everything from uh, we are judged on our merits and that's going to determine our eternal fate. But grace is the fact that we're all going to be resurrected. Right. So it was, that was a common theme. Mm-hmm. The common thing is, is, well, we're all going to be saved, but then do we... Um, do we sleep, uh, can we seek absolute exaltation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there, is there, is there places for people that, you know, have the gift of grace, but are not going to, to ascend, ascend to the highest mm-hmm. kingdoms of our father's house type thing right. and all kind of mis- uh, everything in between and kind of along that same line is, is, is there's nobody was ever questioning what the concept of born again is. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no question that, you know, we come from a pre-mortal earth. We, we die a spiritual death. And then at some point in our life, we become a born again. And the question is, well, is that when you get baptized? Is that when you embrace God? Is that, you know, does, do you come in and out of that, that, um, of that spiritual rebirth you know do you go back and forth and that's the question and and you got to understand and i as was talking earlier it's important to understand that you know the church is kind of unique because it is not part of the protestant movement but yet we do not have direct roots to a church that's been on the on the earth since the time of christ right Um, and so where does that put us there because when you look at the the reformation and kind of uh people coming out of the renaissance and the enlightenments and starting to say you know um we're going to focus on the individual and we're going to become aware of who we are and all this stuff and then you start dealing with calvinism and luther and the different things associated with that um how much of that 
is valid and how much of it is just their answer to what they had and uh they really maybe didn't understand understand what it meant because i i can remember as a child talking in in church talking about martin luther and what he meant to the understanding of of what what we feel about the plan of salvation and, and how we participate in it right so i mean I, I think that's kind of important so i mean i think that the thing that i if i could could just tell you a little story sure um after my mission came home when i was 21 years old and then i kind of got batted to and fro and i ran across a friend of mine that uh, we were sitting there talking and he said to me you know what our bishop's pretty mellow I think we could pretty much get away with anything we wanted. So I'm not going to worry about it. Right. I'm going to have as much fun as I want. And then, you know, if I need to repent, I'll repent. Mm. No big deal. Right. Right. And, um, I looked at him and I knew that I probably had more of a propensity for sin and probably was more apt to get in trouble than he would by far. But that just never made sense to me. Mm. It just never did. Right. And sure enough, you know, he goes off and does that and pretty much has no access to the church to this day. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So me, unlike him, didn't necessarily think that was a good idea, but being me, um, definitely got in more trouble than I should have doing things I shouldn't, you know, mm -hmm. church became secondary to me and got to the point where I wasn't even going to church every week. Mm -hmm. And then one Sunday I woke up and I said, you know what? I think I'll just go to church. I mean, if nothing else, maybe I'll run into somebody I know or whatever. Right. And, and so I get in there, I sit in the very, very back. And, uh, some of, some of the people that know the older churches, I mean, we have churches today that are all kind of the same and it doesn't mean that you walk past the Bishop on your way out of the, the chapel. Mm -hmm. Well, the old, the old churches had a way of, if you were getting out of the church, um, to where the main parking lot was, um, you know, you could you're probably gonna walk past the bishop right and uh, strategically so placed that's good <laughs> strategically placed but this is the same bishop that uh, you know my friend pretty much told me was pretty mellow to be in and and i walked in and i heard these two ladies talking my name and i was like that's weird they're talking my name mm -hmm. and sure enough sacrament gets out over and i beeline it for the parking lot and Bishop intercepts me, which means he had to leave the chapel, and then he met me at the, the door. And he says, he says, Kendall, could you come in? I, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. And uh, I said, sure. And this is your first Sunday back, is that right? Yeah, and probably six months or four months or three months or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, it's a small town. Everybody knows that I'm probably not the, <laughs> the shining of, shining example of return missionary. And... um. I said, sure. He goes, well, I got to take care of a few things. Will you just go sit in my office? So I go sit in his office, and he comes in, and he goes, um, we want to call you as a Sunday school teacher. I think that's what it was. It was something like that. And I said, okay. And he says, um, do you have your temple recommended? And I said, no, I don't have my temple recommended. And he goes, well, let's let's – Take care of that. So he pulls out the Temple Recommend book, starts writing my name, asking me where my date of birth was, and, and mm -hmm. says, let me look it up. And he, 
he goes to hand it to me to sign. And I said, you know, don't you want to ask me a few questions about this? Mm-hmm. And he goes, I goes, oh, well, let me see if I can find those questions. Like, well, this is a guy who'd been in the state presidency. Right. He'd been a bishop a couple of times. I can guarantee you he knew what the questions were. Right. But that's not, that wasn't the point. And he pulls them out. And he starts talking to me about it. And we kind of go through the reprintance process. And he hands me a temple recommend. And I started teaching Sunday school or whatever it was. And pretty much stayed in church for quite a few a year or so after that. Um, changed my life. So w- what's the difference between, you know, my friend mm. and, and me? You know, why do I get a chance to progress in the gospel and take advantage of the plan of salvation? And he doesn't. And this is kind of all plays in my, the back of my mind. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting uh, about this. And, and I, and I mentioned that, you know, I wouldn't ever bring this up if uh, a general authority hadn't talked about this in, in conference, because just because I have questions about something, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate for a public forum. But I do feel comfortable once he brought it up, say, you know what, this helped me. And it gave me reference to what grace was, and what the plan of salvation was, what the love of our Heavenly Father is, and what it means to progress and work towards our ultimate glow. And and what it means to have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father and all these different things. And, and I, I think it's probably a, a worth, um, you know, worthy topic for people like me. I think as, as, a, as members of the church, when you're younger, they don't want to bring out the fact that grace, I mean, Calvinists have this concept of once saved, always saved. Right. And I think that can be very, very dangerous. But um, then you go into everything in between, and it's really refreshing to talk to, a, have a, a prophet or, you know, uh, um, of the church come out and maybe clarify exactly what grace means. Right. And that's kind of what led me down the rabbit hole. And I can remember listening to him on the radio saying, man, this is, this is really great. This is this is." written right for me i mean it's one of the few times i felt like if i'm the only one that got anything out of this talk um i wouldn't be surprised but so it sounds it sounds like to me that you know not not too long ago not too far in the past it sounds like the church you know at least amongst the members or maybe the culture i don't i don't know what you exactly would call it but maybe we didn't exactly know what grace was and how to use it and how it is defined and you know maybe it sounds like it, it was kind of just up for interpretation right like you said every every different seminary teacher has their different take on it and each one could be correct or there could be a little bit of truth in each of them now can we get and thanks for sharing that story and if there's anything else you want to tell us with that we, we want to hear it with that being said can you tell us anything specifically that you can remember from prison Uchtdorf's talk that kind of uh, turn the light bulb on or gave you a little bit of clarity on this topic. Can we talk about what, what he said about it? Well, first of all, you know, almost immediately he talks about God's grace and he talks about the, the breadth, length, depth, and height of his love. 
love is the grace of God. And I think that um, maybe that's an important concept. So we all know the importance of repentance. Okay. Right. What is repentance? So, um, I mean, as he starts going down through that, he starts explaining and kind of walking us down this path where he starts saying, you know, there's all these different things. Um, and I want you to think of grace as a way of setting your mind into a, a way of, of progress. So mm. my, my friend thought of repentance as just something you had to do if you didn't want to go to hell. Right, like an event, one event. The one event or, you know, whatever, as long as I, as long as I repent, where, like I said, I'm probably a worse example of what you should do in life. But on the other hand, the question is, is at some point in my life, I had the opportunity just to say, you know what, I need to repent because I need to get back on the right track. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have anything to do with what I've done as much as what I'm going to do. Right. And, and that becomes very important. Now, I mean, the average eight-year-old or 10-year-old or 15-year-old, you know, maybe they need a little bit of, you know, you're going go to go to hell if, you're, if you do things wrong. Um, but I'm not too sure. Um, I think that one of the things about uh, um, the, Luther, uh, the Martin Luther movement was is, is, is everybody thought that they had no control over their fate. Right. Um, the it, was church up, had, it was up to God. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, the, the, and, and the only way to access that was through the church. And so right. you are damned until you're finally saved. Right. And, and, I, and that never made really a lot of sense to me. Um, that kind of goes contrary to what, what our concept of, of eternal growth and everything associated with it. Right. And I think the kind of the thing is kind of back to, um, to kind of that point where you get born again or, you know, what is that? Now, if I talk to a, a Baptist or something like that, they may say, well, I was born again I, when I was 14 years old at this certain date. Um, I accepted uh, Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I was born again, and I was saved for all time. And, uh, and that can be dangerous to a certain degree. But on the other hand, these are usually good people that are trying to live the teachings of Jesus Christ and right. everything else associated with it. And the question is, 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 is what does that mean? And let's apply it to the teachings of the gospel. Because I don't know if there's an exact time where I can say that, you know, mm -hmm. I put my foot on that path. You know, it's easy to say, well, when I was baptized, I started down that path. And, you know, for the most part, hopefully the goal is. But how simple is it? Is it, is it a binary decision? And do we have any other examples of binary decisions in the gospel? Mm. So the, uh, is, it, is that, and, and if you go to the pre, our pre-mortal life, and we know that we had a lot of fallen angels associated with it, um, do we know that those fallen angels were the worst of the worst? Were right. they the people that just didn't live a good life? You know, did we have our free agency in the pre-mortal life? Did we not? We know that we at least had one choice. Right. And didn't matter what we did, 
or what we said, there was one determining factor on whether we passed our first, um, I don't know what you'd call it, the first estate. Uh, first estate. And it didn't have to do with anything other than do you support Heavenly Father's plan or no, I don't support Heavenly Father's plan. That's a very binary decision. And I'm sure it may have been led by other things they did. But the question is, is, is in our second estate, do we have a binary decision? Do we determine that we're going to devote ourselves to the gospel and do what it takes to repent and live righteously and do all these things? And I don't want to call it being born again, but I do want to say that there's something to be said about the fact that we do have the grace of God. Right. And if we move towards that thing, it's more of a process than anything else. You stumble, you overcome. And the question is, is do you work better as a person that thinks you're damned or do you work better as a person mm -hmm. that um, is flawed, but is working towards eternal life? Well, it has to be the latter, right? I mean, if, if somebody told me that I was damned and there's nothing I could do, uh, what, why, why try, right? Is that kind of, would you agree with that? How do you feel about that? I do. I do. And, and obviously that's why I think of it. And I think Brother Ufdorf makes it very, very clear that, you know, we need to take this opportunity. You know, as he goes through the talk, you know, he starts talking about, um, I think uh, it's about halfway through the talk. Uh, it says, with the gift of God's grace, the path of disciplineship does not lead backwards, it leads forward. So do you think of repentance as a task that is a burden to you? Um, because, you know, you know do, do we get reduced to sackcloth and ashes because we did yeah. something wrong? Right. Are, are we supposed to hang our head low and, and, uh, and, and think of all the things we've done wrong? I think about uh, my son. We went to Disneyland one year, and uh, we got on Space Mountain. He put his glasses in the in the little pocket in front and had a great time, bit off. About halfway down the ramp, he realizes he doesn't have his glasses. So he goes back, and they're gone. Mm -hmm. They're gone. And he starts getting really upset and uh, just making a big deal about it. And I just pulled him aside and I said, hey, you made a mistake, but it's not the end of the world. Why are you making everybody miserable around you? If you feel, if you feel strong enough, the fact that that it was a stupid mistake and you want to to correct it, you know, I'll set aside a couple hours. You can work it off and and you can pay for it. If you don't, I'll tell you right now. I want everybody to ha be happy. I'll buy your. I'm going to buy your glasses when you get back. Right. I, I'm not sending you to school without glasses. And and that was kind of that's kind of the case. So what? What causes us to be, have this in, this eternal progression? Um, and the, the other thing is 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 is, is um, if you're repenting and you have these these sackcloth and ashes, and I don't know if you know what sackcloth and ashes are, or maybe the people this, you know, it's this concept of putting yourself in punishment, you know, wearing clothes that are uncomfortable and and putting ashes all over your body. It's kind of a Hebrew tradition. And mm. if, if you beat yourself with a whip until you feel like 
you've had enough pain to overcome this sin. Oh. Who's paying for that sin? It's you. So are you humbling yourself before God and accepting the plan of salvation? Not at all. That's are you I've never thought about this before. And so that's the question. Do you think God wants to see you uh tormented meaninglessly? Now you may have to do stuff that you don't want to do, but the question is, is 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 the love, are you paying for the sin or is our heavenly father paying for the sin? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've probably been into a few priesthood leaders. Absolutely. And I think it I think it's rare. Um, but you may run into a priesthood leader that wants to make you feel the pain of what you did wrong and maybe pay for what you've done wrong. But that's usually pretty unique. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually never through any repentance process, I've never had that experience. Actually, it's exactly they're actually the sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes has never been imposed upon me by any priestly leader. You know, gladly. (laughs) So the question is, is as he kind of goes on to the talk, is you know, uh, uh, if we humble ourselves and have faith, weak things can become strong. And so, what does it mean to humble yourself? Does it mean that? I can take this on myself. I'm stronger than this sin. I don't, all I need to do is, is I need a bishop to confess to, but I need to take care of this myself. Right. Because I'm the one that has the power. Right. Is that humble? No, it's prideful. It's, it's, the exact, it's about I. It's I, I, I. It leaves the Savior out of the equation. And so the question is, is what is the minimum that is required of you to come to church, to read your scriptures. I mean, if you smoke, does that disqualify you from attending church? Not at all. Okay. If you um, are a sinful person, is, are, is the chances of you becoming uh, a less sinful person greater if you say, well, I'm sinful, but I'm going to go to church, or I'm not going to go to church until I kick this habit? Oh, we can't have that that mindset. Otherwise, the church, the chapels would be empty every week. And so, as you kind of as you kind of go along, and you start talking about it, um, he he talks about, you know, and then why obey? So why do we obey? If we're saved, why do we obey? If I remember correctly, if if we can go into this, if I remember, doesn't President Uchtdorf say? That our obedience is our receiving the gift of grace. Is that kind of the way he put it, if I remember correctly? Um, he talks a little bit about the fact that if we continue in, in sin, it, he puts in, we continue in sin, that grace may be, be abound. And it says, um, and it kind of points to the fact that, you know, obedience after once we obedience is the gift it's the it's the joys we receive um you know it's um wickedness never was happiness that doesn't apply to the fact you're kicked out of the church or mm-hmm. you're 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 doing all these things it doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum you are going to have the ability to have happiness in accordance with your obedience right 
and that that comes back to humbling yourself before God. Right. It says, uh, let's see, as we walk down the path of discipleship, it refines us, it improves us, and it helps us become more like him. And then it goes on to say a few things. It says, no more uh, uh, disposition to do evil, but to do good continuously. And I, and I think that's important. And I think that it's important. You think, I don't know if, if, if they've been pushing our, our state president gets up every uh, state conference and he, he says, you know what? You're better than you think. Why would he say that? Well, at least in my own experience, it goes back to the sackcloth and ashes. And that really, by the way, Kendall, that really has resonated with me because I can think back to times in my life where I felt that I needed to uh, pay. And I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I needed to pay some sort of price. And maybe I did. You know, Maybe there was some, like you said, there's some things you have to do that you don't want to do or whatever. But I think getting out of this mindset of I'm, I've made a mistake, therefore I must pay or make up for this sin. That really doctrinally doesn't make sense. And then with what your stake president saying is maybe he's trying to te- teach that principle that the Savior has already paid the price. It's not about paying the price back. It's not about the, the ashes. How do you feel about that? I do, and I think it's also an important that, that um, we have certain, Satan has certain tools. And um, if he can give you, get you to give up on yourself, how easy is it for him to win? So, so I don't know. Are you much of a historian? Uh, you might try me. What, church history or what is it? No, well, world history. Uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Tell us. Well, this is, a, this is a general question. Yeah. How, how do we know? A war is over when somebody surrenders when somebody surrenders rarely do we do total annihilation where a, a country gives everything until it no longer exists right that's usually fair. usually the concept of uh of why they surrender is as they realize at some point it's hopeless and you see hitler right. trying to tell everybody that don't believe everything you're hearing go out there and and do that. You you hear all these countries. You know, Japan was. You don't want to be captured by the Americans because you can't believe how bad they'll torture. You're better off dying to you know right. um, fighting to the death and all these th- single things. And um, so the end of World War II um, was was kind of done by dropping of uh, a couple of bombs on Japan. Well, I was in New Mexico, and um, I went up and seeing the test where the atom bomb was developed mm-hmm. and they kind of talked this around and they explained everything up and it was kind of interesting because um they dropped they they were developing two different types of bombs the first one was really pretty straightforward it was science that had been well developed long before world war ii they knew what was going to happen all they had to do is start that chain reaction but the bombs were very hard to build and the material to get them was was almost impossible while you're uh, refining the um the um the material uh you know you have to find a lot of it and it makes very very little the second bomb was easier to make but they never knew if it was going to work or not 
and it's quite complex. But on the other side of it is, is they had enough to make one bomb uh, after they did their test bomb. Mm -hmm. And so it, they said it was kind of interesting because they had to drop that first bomb and they knew it was going to go off. And of course, Japan didn't surrender. And so it was really important that they dropped that other bomb almost immediately. And the reason was, is, is um, um, they had to make the, the Japanese people think that they could drop a bomb every two days. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. And, and that goes back to, well, they could have probably built one three weeks later or a month later or whatever. Right. I don't know what the exact time from, but they weren't going to drop a bomb every two days. They just didn't have the, the right. materials associated with it. Right. And it was, an, it was enough for them to, to surrender because it was clear that this was not going to end well. Right. So the question is, is, is our fight for exaltation, what is the thing that stops us? What sin, what act, what anything is the, the, the thing that stops us from progressing to exaltation? My, my first thought is when you're talking about surrendering, is it, is it the lack of surrendering? Is it not willing to surrender? Is that kind of, am, am I catching yeah, what you're because, putting down? Yeah. Cause if you can, if you can go through the prince's repentance process and, and you can, no matter where you're at, um, you can start down that path. Right. 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 It doesn't really matter. I mean, um, deathbed confessions are probably not ideal. But the fact of the matter is, 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 is the biggest thing you give up on a deathbed confession is, is all the happiness and joy you missed between that time right. where you left the church and when you, when you, you know, decide to come back at a late age or, or whatever it is. Right. So, and I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot, a lot more to it. I mean, the, you know, as I think, uh, I think that, um, why do why do we love Christ? And you know, it was the parable. I don't know. Is that my phone? I think it is. No, you're good. I can't hear anything. You know the the question. They go into the parable of of uh, um, wh where was it? Oh, Simon the Pharisee. Do mm -hmm. you remember that story in the the talk? Give us a brief overview of it and relate it to it, please. He talks about the fact that if if two debtors come forward. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. he, he was a little upset because, um, mm. um, Simon said, how could this man be, um, of God if he doesn't realize that the person that's washing his feet is, is a sinner and, and not worthy of kind of being in his presence or anything else like that. And he, he gives the, 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 um, thought about, you know, if, if you have a person that, owes me a little bit of money and you have a person that owes me a lot of money and I forgive both of them, you know, who has the greater appreciation, right? Which will love more the one who was forgiven more. Is that right? Yeah. And he says, it's clear. And he says, well, this is that woman. Right. Okay. And I, I think it's important to know. I think that, uh, the, the people, I mean, the people that, need Christ and need repentance and need the fulfilling are some of the ones that feel like they're 
inferior or inadequate. Maybe shouldn't go to church or, you know, maybe they don't wear a white shirt or maybe they smoke or maybe they do that. You know, maybe they're just like uh, Japan. You know, they're, they're willing to give up before they need to or or maybe it's like other things. So I think that that's important. Awesome. Well, Kendall, this has been a wonderful conversation, and there's so many ideas to consider in, in from President Dorf and from yourself and from your own experiences and your stories. In the interest of time, is there any last piece of advice or counsel for a Latter-day Saint who may be listening to this conversation right now um, is there anything you left out or, or that you that you would want to tell to somebody um, in regards to this topic of grace, somebody who may be struggling with it or trying to learn more about it? What Give, give us your final thoughts as we conclude here. Kind of kind of along that same line. You met me when I was in, in uh, I told you a story in Ohio about um, mm. when I was in my mid-20s and I wasn't exactly involved with the church. Right. And And I told you, the funny thing was, is, is what had made me, brought me back to the church was not necessarily anything to do with the church. It was becoming serious about my life and realizing that I want to better my life. And I clearly had a testimony of some sort, and it was pretty clear that I wanted to do that. And I think the other part is, 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 is you know, we are better than we think we are. And no matter where you're at, let's, let's enjoy the blessings of the, the thing and don't let certain things i had a grandfather that uh was put in as a second counselor uh in the bishopric and it's a famous story in our our family and it's and they talk about the fact that he was standing out on the porch smoking a cigarette and the bishop comes up and he says says uh i think his nickname was whitey he says, why do I want you to be in the bishopric? And he looked down at his cigarette, and he kind of pointed to the cigarette like, you understand where I'm at, don't you? And he put out that cigarette, and he never smoked again. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we need to understand is, 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 is that the plan of salvation is real. The progression to exaltation is real, and we don't need to to let things stop us on those progressions. You know, if, if, if you don't feel comfortable, if, if you don't feel comfortable wearing a white shirt to church, cause you don't have one, just come anyway. It won't be long and you'll decide, well, I don't really need a white shirt. Maybe it's worth buying a white shirt and putting a tie on. None of these matter. What matters is, is where are we at and where are we headed? And grace is real. You know, I, I love that idea, and, and something you've said with me, uh, said in this, has resonated with me. The idea that repentance is not, and you've just said it again, repentance is not what we have done in the past. It's, it's not concerned with what we've done in the past, necessarily. It's not com- concerned necessarily about our sin in the past. Rather, repentance is about looking forward. And it just reminds me, just very quickly, a little scriptural story comes to mind. When Adam and Eve partook of the fruit in the Garden of Eden, and uh, the adversary kind of comes forward and automatically encourages them to turn away from the Father, to run, to cover their nakedness, as uh, the scriptures say. Uh, he wanted them to be concerned with the sin that they had committed, which would shame them away from the Father. And it worked, obviously, for 
who knows how long. And eventually the father called them and they came forward and there was a little bit of a confession, you know, situation there. But I just want to bear my second witness, if I will, to what Kendall's saying is that repentance is less about the past and it's more about the future. Kendall, thank you so much for being willing to spend some some of your night, uh, especially before your son comes home tomorrow, to discuss such an important topic. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing with a friend. And we'll catch you next time on the Faithful Perspective Podcast.